by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. One time I went deer hunting with my dad, and this is not when I was a little boy. Most of the time I tell you stories about when I was a little boy, but this was, I was probably in my 20s. Now I'll tell you this before we start. Last time I killed a deer was like when I was 21 years old, and this was after that, so that gives you any hint. But anyway, I don't know about my dad. He was one of those hunters. He wouldn't get out of the truck and log his stuff into the woods a couple hundred yards and find him a tree. No, he's got to walk about four or five miles back. He's not happy unless he's the only one that's ever seen this virgin portion of the woods. You know, He wants to be back here so far, you, if you was to shoot, nobody would hear you. I guess. I don't know, but we had these homemade climbing stands. You know what I'm talking about? You strap them to a tree, and you put your feet in some things, and you wedge your way up the tree, you know? Well, they make aluminum ones now, and they make them with a little top part, so you can ratchet your way up. Not my dad. You know, he's old school. This was made out of raw iron, you know? I mean, this thing weighed about 40 pounds, and you'd strap it on your back, and you'd carry it and uh, you got your rifle and all this, and we got to walk, and we walked, and we walked, and it was in this place called Delta National Forest, and it got a lot of uh, these big, look like palm trees. I forget what they're called. Do you know, Tim, what I'm talking about? Those big, look, fanned out things, and uh, so you can't see unless you get up high, so we walked way back there, finally got to the place he was ready to tell me to hunt, and he says, you see that tree there? I want you to climb that tree right there, and listen, I didn't kill a de- deer unless my daddy told me what to do. I didn't confess that. So I'd learned by this point, <laughs> if I wanted to kill a deer, I better do what he said. So he points at this tree, and he says, you see that limb, that first limb way up there? Now, it was pretty good ways up there. But, of course, when you're on the ground, it don't seem that high. And I'm like, yeah, okay. He said, don't stop climbing until you get to that. And that, that'll be high enough. To, they're called palmettos. He said, that'll be high enough to see over the palmettos. And that, that way you can look down, and you'll get a good shot at a deer. He said, I'm going to go on this way, and you know, I'll get over here. You know, and if, if it comes by you and you, you don't get it, I'll get it. I said, okay. So I strapped my deer stand, my homemade thing on there, and climbed up on there and started bear-hugging that tree. And you got to do it with your arms with no top part, and it just rubs you right there, and you'll be bloody by the end of the day. And, and it was a long way up. But I set my mind, and I kept looking at that first limb, and I kept going. You know, I'd lift my thing, and I wedged my way all the way up that tree, and I was getting up there to that first limb, and I finally got to that first limb where he said to get. And, I, and I'm up here. You know, we got a lot of clothes on because it's cold. And, but by the time you get up to the top of that tree, you're sweating, you know, all in your clothes, your clothes wet. And I'm breathing, and my chest is getting, feeling bloody and everything. <laughs> and I'm up there, and about that time I heard some something coming through the palmetto. And I look down, and here comes a big old buck. Guess what happened? I'll have to tell you later. <laughs> In the meantime, let's go ahead and turn to our home scripture. We've been doing a series on Psalms 23. We haven't finished it yet, so turn to Psalms 23. World famous Psalms 23. Probably preached it or spoken at every funeral 
Christian funeral in America. All right, Psalms 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we went over all that. And today we get to the fourth verse, which says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So, yea, <laughs> yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's an odd way to put it, but how many feels like kind of down here on earth is walking through the valley of the shadow of death? I've heard it said that if you're walking through the valley of the shallow, shadow of death, don't stop. Just keep walking. You've heard that, right? You've probably heard me say that I believe this whole journey called life down here is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'll tell you why. The word walk, it says, yea, though I walk. I don't think it's just talking about just a step in front of step. I believe it's talking about how you live this earthly life. Because the Bible's often talking about your walk. People like Enoch and Noah were described as having a walk with God. In Genesis 6-9, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. You see, it was a, a term notating a lifestyle. Uh, Psalms 1, verse 1, says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, he didn't walk that way. It's not saying he's not walking with them. You know, he's saying that's, that's not his style. That's not his lifestyle. That's not, not the way he's living his life. It says, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seateth in the seat, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. See, that's the way we got to get, where we meditate on God's law day and night. We don't sit with all the scornful people and all the sinners and, and the, one, the naysayers. We build ourselves up with the faith of the Lord by meditating on his word day and night. That's why you're here, to hear the word of God tonight. So our walk, we walk through the valley. We have a lifestyle <laughs> through the valley. How is, that, how is your lifestyle going in the valley? Okay, the valley. The word valley, what does it indicate to you? Like a low point? You got a mountaintop and you got a valley. Uh, it signifies, in a sense, the tough part of the journey. So if you're going through the valley, you know, that's the hard part, right? And I think that's what it's talking about. Our life here is going through the valley. It's not a mountaintop experience down here. We haven't got to heaven yet. Heaven would be like the, the mountaintop, and go, down here is like walking through the valley. You see where I'm coming from? Psalms 121, verse 1 says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which my help does come. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. So what he's saying is, God, he made heaven, and he made earth. And this ain't heaven yet. <laughs> we got to, here, we're lifting up our eyes to a day that's coming. You see, we know that the day is coming when we'll, we'll see heaven, we'll see Jesus, we'll see him like he is, we'll get to experience him, we'll see him face to face. All that day of rest that so much we need so badly. But it's all in the future right now. Right now, what are we doing? Walking this out in the low parts. 
See, there's, no, there's not going to be any low parts in heaven, is there? You don't think there's any, I don't think there's a whole lot of walking through the valley of the shadow of death in heaven. That's down here. All right, a bunch of children for the children's church. Good to see y'all. And what's the shadow of death term? That's pretty stout, don't you think? The shadow of death. There's not going to be, no, I don't think there's going to be a lot of shadow of death in heaven either. Shadow of death, I believe what it means is, here on earth, we're living under the threat of death all the time, in the shadow of death. We're not going to die again in heaven, are we? But we know it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment here on this earth. So we're living under this shadow. And what do you think? That shadow, man, that can seem like an impending doom for the sinner, doesn't it? I mean, something they don't try to think about too often. You know, that's why it's good to catch them at a funeral, you know, and, and tell them the, the plan for the gospel because that might be the only time they listen because they're just trying to avoid death at all costs. To them, this shadow is not a shadow that they want to live in. And subconsciously, their fear of death causes them to act a little strange. I know it, it may be causing you to act a little strange, and we're going to examine that a little bit. But fear always limits your life. God doesn't like fear. He doesn't want his children tormented by fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. See, God doesn't want you in fear because he knows it limits you. It keeps you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. Every time you're afraid to do something, he's not giving you the spirit of fear. Jesus puts it like this. He would say, trust me in this, I'm going to get you through the valley because there's a mountaintop experience just ahead. That's why the Bible says keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. See, we need faith down here because we can't see him, right? Faith is we walk by faith and not by sight. We need faith while we're down here. So we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, in other words, he wrote the story of your life. He wrote the book. He wrote the manual. And you keep your eyes on him and you walk it out. You walk through this valley. You don't stop. You just keep moving on through until, until that day when it's all said and done. And then you see him face to face. You won't need faith in heaven. But we need faith down here because the Bible says it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. And in John 14, 1, Jesus is so concerned that we would be in fear. He was telling his disciples, they were like, don't leave, Jesus. We, we don't know what we're going to do without you. And he's telling them, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem, and they're going to crucify me and all this. And he says this, don't let your heart be troubled. And I think he spoke that knowing that we would see these words in 2016, in this crazy world that we're living in today. Don't let your heart be troubled. Isn't there every opportunity in the world to let your heart be troubled these days? course there is we look at the news for five minutes and we see 47 people shot in memphis you know 63 in chicago <laughs> you know it, there's a competition see how many people we can shoot you know it's a crazy world in, in which we live the morals are on the decline the darkness is on the rise you know these things but he says and, and, and here's another thing we think that it's just now we think we're living in the worst time ever we're probably living in the best time ever Back before we had, you know, 
nations with governance. It was just a lawless society. That, you know, the Romans or whoever was, was the head of the empire back in those days made the rules. And whatever the king says went. So, I mean, it, it's always been bad. We, we're probably more civilized in the world right now than the world's ever been. So, I mean, we like to think we got it tough, but it's always been tough. That's what I'm trying to say. It's always been tough here in the earth in the wreckage of all of this death. If that makes any sense. Don't, but he says, how can Jesus say this? Don't let your heart be troubled. How can, you, how can we not let our heart be troubled? Any guesses? Trust in God. That's about the only way you're going to do it. Do you, have, do you have a gun big enough that makes you feel safe? Do you have a 401k plan that no, you know is going to take care of all your financial needs? Do you have a doctor that you're so sure that can keep you alive forever? You don't have any guarantees but the Lord Jesus. Trust in God and trust also in me, he says. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He's making you a promise. I know it's tough down here, but I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit to comfort you and to walk with you and give you my guidance and teachings. And I'll be here making, ever living to make intercession for you up here. And I'll be praying for you and, and pleading your case on, you know, to the Father. And we'll be working this life out together. And I know it's hard right now, and I know you're going through, but I did too. He's saying, I, I went through a lot of stuff down here too. You know, I know what you're going through. I was in every point tempted as you were. And I probably, you probably will never suffer crucifixion like me. But, but I, I, can, I can tell you a few things about suffering, he would say. But I'm going to tell you what. You can make it through just like I did. Whatever you face with me, you can, you can make it through. And you can know that on the other side, I'll be waiting for you. He can promise this because he faced death on our behalf. See, death is the enemy, and it's the last enemy that will be put under Jesus' feet. So we still, it's still appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. But the good news is, those of us who have trusted in Jesus, you know, our judgment is not heaven or hell. Our judgment is going to be for rewards in all of eternity. Hebrews 2.14, if you'll turn there, we'll see what Jesus did. Look at here on the back of my Bible. Dear Daddy, I love you. And thank you for always doing your best to direct me in the right direction. You're the best daddy you could possibly be. Love, Kaylee. Oh, is there an expiration date on it? <laughs> as long as you're treating me good and as long as you're paying my bills. No. Hebrews 2. Thank you, Kaylee. 14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, that's our condition down here, the Son also became flesh and blood. He was God, you know. Jesus was God in heaven before he was born in a manger. He put on the human condition to be one of us. For only as a human being could he die. You see, he wasn't going to die. He didn't ever have to face death. He did it for us. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power over death. Only in this way could he set free all who lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. 
See, whether we realize it or not, we're all, we were all slaves to the fear of dying. Does that make sense? You may still be somewhat of a slave to the fear of dying. I would say it would be in proportion to your faith. If you're afraid to die, then you don't know Jesus the, you know, the way he wants you to because he's not giving you that spirit. He wants you to trust in him and not be afraid to die. If you're, there's still a, a part of you that's holding on to this life and don't want to die, not that anybody wants to die. You shouldn't want to die. I'm saying live this life to its fullest, and, and, but, but do it with the understanding that one day you will die and don't be afraid to die. We talked about that Sunday. He said about being a martyr. You know, it says don't seek it, but don't be willing to give your life for Christ. God forbid that we should remain slaves to the fear of dying after all that Jesus has done. If we just, that's, that's the point of tonight's message is to think about what Jesus has done so we don't have to be fearful anymore. We can be free. If Jesus' crucifixion shows us anything, it reveals that death in this life is no longer the problem. It's the solution. That's good. Death is not the problem. For a Christian to die is the solution. You're out of this human condition, and now you put on immortality. Now you're like Jesus. Now you're promoted. You're in heaven where there's no more tears and no more sorrow, no more suffering. So Jesus' crucifixion shows us that death is not the problem. It's the solution. Because death to our former way of life before we knew Jesus, death to our old sin nature, is the only way we'll experience life on this side. So there's a dying that should be taking place. There's a dying to this old self, to our old ways. And there's a living unto Christ. If Jesus had not died for our sins, we would, we would be forever bound to death. Jesus' disciples, they feared death. You remember, they tried to talk Jesus out of dying. When he would tell them things like, you know, in three days I'm going to be crucified, you know, we're going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me. And, and they said, no, Peter said, no, this will never happen to you, Lord. And Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. He called his own disciple Satan. You're thinking about the things of man. You're not thinking about the things of God. This, for this reason, I came into the world. I came to the world to die so that I could take away the power of death. Then his disciples, what did they do? As soon as the soldiers came to get him in the garden, they took off. They were gone. Why? Why do you think? Were they not courageous men? Can you be a courageous man and be so afraid of death? See, you can't be who God called you to be if you have so much fear of dying. And his own disciples who had walked with him, saw him do miracles, saw him raise the dead, trusted him probably with as much of their heart as they knew how. They ran when their lives were at stake. Pretty sad. Pretty sad that they deserted Jesus. But what happened once they saw Jesus raised from the dead? And then the Holy Spirit came into their hearts. They were born again. 
a transformation in their understanding of death and life. Once they saw Jesus conquer the grave, they, they suddenly had the boldness to let them truly live. And they all went on to do what? To give their lives as martyrs like Jesus. I think only one of them, I think John was the only one that died of old age, and that's because they couldn't kill him. I think they tried to boil him in a pot of oil one time, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't die, so they let him out. But all the, all the disciples ended up giving their life for Jesus. It's pretty awesome. You see, for, for the believer, in a proper understanding of life and death and, and what's going to happen, death is, death is just a promotion for us. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, man, that's going to be good stuff. So if we weren't afraid of giving up this life, and we, we really had faith in what the Word of God says about what comes next, we'd probably be a lot bolder about our witness for Jesus, about going and telling people. I mean, we wouldn't care a whole lot about what people think down here because we know this is just a valley. I'm about to be on the mountaintop. There's a guy named Daniel Alakoa. I don't know if I said that right. He wrote this about a shadow. Talking about the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. He says, a figure produced from the blockage of light by another figure. That's what a shadow is. It's the figure produced from the blockage of light by another figure. It is not the real thing. A shadow is not a real thing. It's just produced by the blockage of light. It's a representation of it, but the shadow of a dog cannot bite you because it's not the real dog. The shadow of a serpent cannot, uh, serpent cannot bite you. He says the shadow of a gun cannot kill you. No matter how dark a shadow could be, it reminds one of the presence of light because it is when light is shielded that a shadow is produced. So when you see the, the, dark, the shadow of darkness all around you, know that it's just a shadow for the believer. And it's there because the light is shining on it and showing how dark death used to be, but death has lost its sting. So, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does it say next? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The one who wrote that scripture, David, he learned how to not fear by walking with the Lord. And that's the same way we must do. In Psalms 91, the psalmist says in verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Let's talk about a shadow for a moment. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty cast a shadow? Well, let's see what kind of shadow God cast. In James 1.17 it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So his shadow doesn't change. It's not shifty. It's not spooky. In 1 John 1, 5, it says God is light, and there is in him no darkness at all. So I, I take that to, to see God's shadow. Even his shadow is light. 
because there's no darkness in him. If he casts a shadow, it's a glorious shadow. It's a light shadow. And so if we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we'll abide under the shadow. I think I got that backwards. (laughs) He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, in the glory of God, in the light of God. You live in the light. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 8, 12, I believe it is. See, we're supposed to be people, children of the light. We're supposed to contrast darkness. We're supposed to overwhelm darkness with the glory of God in our lives. You'd think people that know that they're going to die would run to the light, wouldn't you? You'd think people in the shadow of darkness in 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 this dark world would be just running to the light. But the funny thing is, They run from the light. So many, maybe you did like I did for 32 years, I ran from the light. We run deeper into sin. We act act like God's not watching, you know. And the wages of sin is what? Death. And so we're afraid all our lives of dying, so then we sin to bring death about quicker. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation, that light came into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. See, there's really no excuse not to accept the Lord. You got a choice. Your, Your heart knows that you need to choose light, but you love sin more than you love God. And so you choose death. You choose to go to hell. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It's his desire that everyone would repent and and come to the light. He sent his son to die to, to be the light of the world. But the sinners who refuse Jesus choose death. They choose to be separated from God. And we talked about that a couple Sundays ago or Wednesday whenever it was, I think it was last Wednesday, that death is simply in its grandest form is is separation from God. And life is connection with God. We think of death as just, you know, losing this physical life, but it's deeper than that. Death is separation. Anyway, it goes on to say that thy thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod, you know, it... uh, depicts authority you know you got the rod (laughs) whoever's got the biggest stick you know it's power it's defense against danger if you're a shepherd you know you got a rod you're gonna that's probably what David used on the lion and the bear it's probably hit it in the head a few times you know and it's also the rod of discipline that the Bible talks about in Proverbs 22 15 it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of correction shall drive it Far from them. So there's a time for spanking. <laughs> the Bible tells us that the, the rod, you know, will drive it far from them. I'm sure the rod was not something that would leave a mark or something, you know, like a switch or something. <laughs> Don't beat your children, you know. 
I don't, I don't see anywhere the Bible tells you to beat the children. But, uh, but I tell you what, if, if we give our children boundaries and we tell them don't go past this and we discipline them and we correct them when they do and so forth, they'll fight against that. that their, their natural instinct is to rebel against authority, and yours is too. <laughs> Unless you've been walking with the Lord for some time. But they'll, they'll scream and holler and, and cry, it ain't fair. But deep down their heart's saying, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mama, for setting boundaries because this world's too big a place for me to be out there on my own. And because you've made my world smaller by giving me rules and regulations and keeping me within a safe boundary, you know, thank, thank you, Mama. I don't feel overwhelmed. And that's what we need to do for our children. That's what God does for us. Hebrews 12, 8 says, If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and really not his children at all. See, if you've walked with God, you'll experience the rod of correction because we all needed it at one point or another. Sad to say. Hopefully you don't need it much. But he will whoop that little boo honey. And, uh, in different ways, you know. And then I tell you, he gets his point across. And uh, you'd best uh, listen to what Daddy says. But it's because he loves you. It's because he cares for you. You know? What does it say? He who spares the rod hates the child. In other words, if you don't discipline your children, you're, you're saying, well, I love them too much to discipline them. No. You love them too much not to discipline them because if you don't, they'll have no restraint and the cops will discipline them or somebody else along that line will discipline them later on. Okay, and then they have the staff to guide the sheep and to gently pull the sheep. You, you know, a staff usually has a crook on the end, a shepherd in would pull the sheep out of trouble, pull them out of the, if they fell in the river or something, you know, guide them, you know, get back over there with your mama, you know, and gently lead his sheep with the staff. And also the staff, you remember like uh, Moses had a staff and God told him to stick it in the Red Sea and the sea parted, you know. The staff was also a symbol of authority and uh, power along with the rod. And so it just shows you God is going to make a way for you. The shepherd, the good shepherd will always make a way for you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I wrote this for what it's worth. Sometimes I, instead of just going off the cuff, I like to write something. This mound of dirt we call earth ain't heaven. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I know you didn't think it was. It's a valley strewn with the wreckage of death. Don't set up your camp here. Don't put down stakes here. Don't put your, pour your foundation here on this earth. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. This earth is going to pass away. It's going to be melt with a fervent heat, Peter says. And it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. <laughs> but all who's holding on to this earth, you know, you can't take it with you. Just keep walking in step with the Lord. Each step will teach you to trust him more. That's how we're going to get through this life. Step by step. You see... Jesus has conquered the powers of the dark, and he will uphold you through all the unseen and the unknown. 
We don't, we don't even know the dangers. We can't even see what's coming down the pike. We don't know what's fixing to happen in 15 minutes. There could be tornado sirens go off for all we know. We're not even paying attention most of the time. But God knows everything. And death indeed is just a shadow to those who belong to him and possess eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 says, Death is swallowed up in victory. You see, death has already been defeated. It's a fallen foe. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting of death that results in, or sting, sin is the sting that results in death, and law gives sin its power. But thank God, Jesus gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. He's given us victory over sin and death. So you have power to overcome sin. And you have an eternal spirit that overcomes death. So death becomes just a shadow to the Christian. Philippians 2.20 says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ. See, and how are you going to be bold? We're talking about doing bold things. If you're afraid of something that, that's been, the power's been stripped from. But I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Wow, that's a bold statement. I, never, I don't hear a lot of people saying dying is better. He's saying for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what it says in the King James. For me to live, for me to live on this earth, I'm living for Christ. For his sake, for his cause, for his church, for his purposes. But if I die, so much more the better I'll be with him. My work is through. I've reached the finish line. That's what he's saying. He's not saying I'm going to take a shortcut and figure out a way to die early. No, that's not for you to decide. That's God's decision. You just keep running your race. Keep running and not growing weary. Keep walking and not fainting. Keep soaring on wings as eagles like that song. You just keep doing. You keep walking with Jesus. You keep overcoming. There was an evangelist came through here today named Gary Batt. He's preached here before and probably will again. But he was on his way to New Orleans and he came by today. And I was uh, happened to be in here worshiping. And he came in. We talked a while. He's very encouraging. And uh, he kept saying things like, uh, you know, your church has to be birthed in prayer. You know, and we've been getting that a lot lately. And, and the things of God, you know, he, he kept saying, just encouraging me stuff, you know, and telling me that, uh, I can't remember what all he said. He's, there's a lot of good stuff anyway. But then he said, let's worship together. Put that song back on. You know, I cut it off when he came in. And we put that song, it was like a 17-minute song I had going through the video and everything. We cut it up loud. Angie came in here out of the office, you know. She met him and, and said hello and came in. And he starts walking the church in a circle. And I'm up here walking. And the music's cranked. And, and it's just a song of worship. And we're worshiping the Lord for like 17 minutes during this video. And then we pray together afterwards. And he said, this is what you're going to need to endure. This is what you're going to need for this church to overcome. You're going to have to stay in that worship, in that place. You know, what? A, walking is not just getting up in the morning and going to your job, but walking is, is a, a, 
a relationship with Jesus. That is your walk, your relationship. Keep that first and foremost. Everything that God does is on the inside first, and then it works its way to the outside. We don't grow a church by saying, hey, let's get out there and let's do this and do that and come up with a bunch of ideas and put programs in place. That's the work of man. God wants to build his church through us listening, praying, getting his vision, his ideas, and his steps. And he gives it to us day by day, step by step, walking with him. And that's how we overcome fear. You see, I would be overwhelmed if I thought that I was the pastor of a church what do I know? But I don't have to know anything. I, my job is to just get to know him. If I can concentrate on the real and hear his voice and get his plan, then it will work the way it's supposed to. It ain't supposed to be about me. And it ain't supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about Jesus. then there's no fear because you're so close to him you're walking with him you know he's got you you know he can never fail he's perfect in all his ways you begin to know that he's for you and not against you and so many of us grew up with churches that made God seem like someone we have to bargain with you know he's up there waiting to get us and if we're, you know he's just waiting to smash us waiting for an excuse but he's not like that He's pulling for you. He doesn't want you to fall. He's going to help you get back up. He's going to discipline you. And he's going to do the things that show you he loves you. And he's for you. He doesn't take pleasure when you, when you mess up. He's not like, I get to punish somebody today. Do you, is that the way you feel when your children mess up? You're, oh, let me get my belt. I've been waiting for this. You know? No. You know, oh, man, don't make me have to. I wish you would have learned that earlier, you know. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5, and verse 6 says, So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. He says, we're confident, even though we're not with the Lord yet. Even though we're still in these earthly suits, these earth suits, these earthly bodies, we're not with the Lord where we want to be, but even though we're still confident, for we live by believing and not by seeing. That's in the King James, we walk by faith and not by sight. So while we're here on the earth, we have to live by faith. We can't see it all, but we believe it all. And so we, we have to hold on. We have to do those things that, that engage us. And we, we see through a glass darkly. We can't see into the spirit world like we want to. And the spirit world is more real than this world, this physical world that will perish and, and, and burn away one day. It's more real than this. We can't see into it. We can't see God like we want to. And, but we know that day is coming. But we can see a little bit. And we have the spirit of God in us to help us to know what we need to know. And to walk with him and to talk with him. And to have a relationship so that you're not afraid to die. You're not afraid to be bold. You're not afraid to do the things that he would call you to do. And verse 8 says, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. For then we will be at home with the Lord. 
But he says this, so whether we're here in this body or away from this body, the goal is the same, to please him. And how do you please God? It's impossible to please him without faith. You must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He wants to reward you. You remember I said that, that he says, if you, you search for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. He's playing hide and seek with us. He's, he's, he's getting us to long for him, to follow after him, to walk with him, to, to desire to be right there with him more and more and more, stronger and stronger and stronger. Because he knows if we get that desire then, and we do the things that, that cause the relationship to grow stronger, we'll not only experience life here, but in the one to come. Because life is connection with God. See? Death is separation. But life is in the connection with God. Life doesn't have to be as hard as we make it. It's our rebellious nature, our, our dumb thinking, our bad upbringing, whatever you want to blame. It's, we make life too hard. Just like Gary Batt says, this is it, man. Know Christ. Hear his voice. Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it again. Life is not that hard. So, I'm up there on this tree, right? My chest is bleeding, and I'm breathing hard, I'm sweating up on this tree, and I hear a... And I'm like, and I look over, and there's this big buck making his way through the palmettos. And I said, my heart starts racing. And I'm like, my gun's on my shoulder, you know, it's on a strap on my back. And I'm like, and I start to let go of the tree to get my gun off my shoulder. And I look down for the first time. And I'm 30 feet up in the air. That doesn't sound like high. When Daddy was pointing at it from the ground, it didn't look high. But when I looked down, I was like, oh. I put both hands back on that tree. You see, I hadn't, put, I hadn't strapped myself in yet. And so I was sitting there, what do I do? And, and this platform is only about that big, you know, and I'm like holding on to this tree, and the wind's blowing a little bit, and I, I'm like, can I, can I turn around and get my gun off or whatever? But I... And you've got all this clothes on and everything, and I'm like, and I look down again, I'll just let that one go. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just let that deer go, and I strap myself in. And once I strap myself in, then I could turn around, you know, and, and uh, get my gun off and get all set up and ready to go. Boy, if that deer would have gave me five more minutes, I'd have killed that deer. My daddy killed a deer it, when it went by him, just like he said. My daddy knows everything about hunting. But uh, what's the deal? I had no confidence until I strapped in. I had no confidence. Life was scary. I was, I was afraid. I was afraid that I, that I was going to lose my life. I was all my life subject to the bondage of fear until I strapped myself in. 
And Jesus is your safety strap. You can know once he's got you, once he wraps his arms around you, no man can pluck you out of his hand. He has got you. So the worst thing that could happen, he said, don't fear a man who can kill your mortal body, but fear God who can kill your mortal body and throw your soul into hell. There's nothing man can do to you. Fear God. Trust him. He'll wrap those arms around you and ain't nothing the devil can do. He's got you in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, bad things happen. People die. Trust in God. People are martyred for Christ's sake and all that. Just a promotion. This life is but for a moment. This light affliction we call earth, this valley of the shadow of death, it's just but for a moment. But it works for us a far greater weight of glory in the life to come, how you live it. So don't be afraid. When God says go, just go. Put fear aside. Say, you know what, Jesus, you paid too big a price for me to go around with the spirit of fear. You set me free from worrying about death and, and all that kind of stuff. There was an art teacher in college, and she asked these two painters, she said, I want y'all to paint me a picture of to illustrate peace. Well, the first artist, he painted a still waters, maybe like a green pasture, and, you know, maybe just one little fluffy cloud, no wind blowing, nothing, no action going on. And the, the teacher said, looks peaceful, does. And the other guy, man, he painted some rolling dark black clouds, looked like being a, fixing to be a tornado or something. And wind was blowing over the, the stalks of wheat or whatever, and, and you could tell that the leaves were blowing and everything, and it was just looked like it was a big storm was fixing to hit and lightning in the background. And then there was this big waterfall coming over the cliff, just creating this commotion and steam going all up in the air. But there was this little songbird sitting in the cliff to, cliff to the rock that was predominant in the picture. And the songbird was just there, just a whistling away. He said, that's peace. That's an illustration of peace. Because no matter what's going on around us, you can have peace in the midst of your storm. Jesus was asleep in that boat. When that storm was in, and everybody else was like, Jesus, don't you care? We're drowning. Wake up, Jesus. Help, help. He just got up and said, peace, be still. Shh. And the wind and the waves stopped. And we need to be, he said, you can do the same thing. He says, where's y'all's faith? Trust in me. Trust in me. Bow your head and close your eyes. If there's anybody in here that doesn't know the peace of God, that passes all understanding, that can keep your heart and mind, if you don't know it because you don't know Jesus, I want you to be introduced to him tonight. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and you want to ask him in so that you can have that peace, you can, you can stop being afraid. You don't have to be afraid of dying. 
that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus tonight, would you lift your hand? I believe everybody in here is probably saved already and knows it. But if that's not the case, see me after the service. I'll be glad to talk with you. But let's talk while you got your eyes closed a minute about, you know, I, now that I know Jesus, I'm more afraid not to live than I am to die. What if I stand before him and he says, what were you doing all those years? Why were you so afraid? Where was your faith? listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.